Hello and welcome. Greetings from the Offensive Security Group at Secure IT 360. Coming at you with a new episode of the Cyber Threat Perspective. It's Friday, so it's time for our week in review. Every week, our offensive security team is tracking, researching, and analyzing threats, vulnerabilities, exploits, and techniques with the purpose of keeping you up to date on what's relevant and important in the industry this week. So you can be more prepared today than you were yesterday to protect your organization. You've got myself, Spencer, and Tyler here today to talk about a number of uh, interesting stories and topics this week. Uh, this week, we'll talk, be talking about threat actors using Windows event logs for fileless malware, F5's big IP POC that were, that were released and the research around that, privilege escalation bugs in the Linux kernel, Windows LSA spoofing, uh, formerly known or popularly known as Petit Patam, and yet again, Active Directory Certificate Services abuse resulting in domain privilege escalation. So a lot of good topics to talk about today, Tyler. I'm excited for this episode. Uh, a lot of interesting stories, a lot of uh, trending stories uh, in today's episode. So I'm looking forward to getting into it with you. Sounds great. All right, so uh, the first topic on our agenda here is threat actors using Windows event logs for fileless malware. So in early 2022, security researchers observed a new technique where attackers were hiding their shellcode in Windows event logs. So this allowed quote-unquote fileless last-stage malware to be hidden from plain sight in the file system. And so it's common to see attackers uh, patching event tracing for Windows or ETW, the Windows event log, to evade defenses. It's something we do on our penetration tests is uh, to avoid detection, we will patch the event log or the event tracing for Windows to try to hide our tracks a bit to evade uh, detection or avoid detection. Uh, so using and abusing Windows event logs is not a new technique. However, hiding the shell code in the event logs is something that's relatively new and, and unique. Uh, the main takeaway here for me is that attackers are, are adapting and they always will be. It's very much a cat and mouse game, right? And that's why uh, the basics and the fundamentals of security and defense in depth wins in the end. Uh, we can't stop everything, but we can continue to put you know additional roadblocks in place to, to make it harder for the attackers at each step uh, of their attack chain. Uh, so that's really the takeaway for me on this. Um, there's some interesting uh, IOCs or indicators of compromise and indicators of attack in this article that could potentially be used uh, to detect this type of thing. Um, so overall, an interesting article. Um, I thought it was interesting to see this technique of using the event logs right, as a method for, for hiding uh, their malware. Um, that's that's really uh, you know when I think about stories like this, uh, I think about how we can use this in our own engagements and kind of emulate these threats, and uh, certainly something that we we strive to do so we can emulate threats and help uh, our clients uh, better detect these types of things. So interesting article, um, it's definitely worth a read. Uh, reading the research on that. Uh, this next uh, topic, Tyler, I think you'll be super interested in, and it's something we talked about last week, is the F5 Big IP 
uh, conundrum. I don't know what, what would you call the uh, this uh, fiasco with F five. Like it, it's been quite tumultuous for F five. This past <laughs> definitely agree. It's been a complete mess. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. Um, you know, I called it a doozy in in my brief here, but uh, this is <clears throat> this is an endpoint that Big IP is uh, had been vulnerable in the past um, as a result of insecure headers and uh, allowing authentication bypass. Uh, we talked about this last week on our brief or our weekend review, and, and Brad indicated that uh, the one of the best recommendations here, right, Tyler, is uh, you shouldn't have management interfaces on the internet, right? Correct. You should always have those management interfaces kind of si- sitting behind something to have something between you and the attacker to just mitigate that attack surface that they have and to just, you know, provide better protection to yourself. Yep. And it's it's something that we often look for on our external pen test when we're doing recon and we're and we're looking for uh, ways to attack. Uh, we do look for things that are open on the internet like that. Um, those are always juicy targets. And, you know, we can kind of add this one to the list. Uh, the reason it's in this week's uh, week in review again is uh, POCs were released sometime between when we recorded last week and when we're releasing this. So we wanted to just give an update and share again some mitigations and some thoughts on this. Uh, Horizon 3, who shared their POC with Greylog ahead of kind of this whole release, uh, they have a great write-up on kind of analyzing this vulnerability, um, analyzing the exploit, uh, and a lot of research into that. Um, There's some key things uh, as far as detection goes uh, and monitoring logs and things like that that they also uh, reference. But uh, overall, I think this is a good one just as a reminder to uh, to vet security vendors, right? Let's hold uh, security vendors a little bit more accountable for things like this. Um, you know, I think it's important that we we push back a little bit and ensure that there's QA done and there's testing done uh, with proof to to show that 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 stuff is done. You know, <clears throat> to kind of speak more to that um, from a defender's point of view, you know, besides putting a middleman between you and the attacker, you know, say a firewall, what else can companies do to kind of mitigate this <clears throat> vulnerability? Yeah. One of the things I, I thought of initially was, um, you know, pushing back on the vendor. Like I said, sometimes it's hard to push back on a big vendor, like a five and be like, Hey, you got to show us um, that you've tested your product or you've done due diligence to ensure that there's, not these big uh, exposures, right? Um, but I think part of our responsibility as defenders is to do some due diligence on the vendors and the and the products and the software and the hardware that we get to ensure it's free from that. Now, it's not all on us. It's not all on our defenders' shoulders to do that. Like I said, the vendor is responsible for that too. Um, that's one thing. Um, the other thing is... Uh, you know, monitoring and, and logging, um, having some basic audit logging and just logging and monitoring in place to help identify when these things happen uh, is a good idea as well. 
Um, so there's just a couple things that come to my to my mind immediately. Gotcha. All right, the next one uh, in the fun world of Linux and kind of Android too is uh, there was a privilege privilege escalation bug in the Linux kernel. Uh, it was in the packet network protocol. And what's really interesting about this and kind of why this made uh, some headlines is the uh, the packet network protocol, the implementation of that is actually used in a variety of, of different Linux distributions, including Android. So this not only affects like Debian and Red Hat, but also Android operating systems, which run a mobile. So uh, that's why this one was kind of interesting to me is that uh, number one affected a wide range of distributions and it also included Android and Linux, uh, you know, is, is used a lot of times for secure containers and sandbox sandboxes and endpoints. So uh, it's not surprising to see this being exploited in the wild uh, and kind of taking advantage of and abused. Um, so that's kind of how I thought that one was a bit interesting this week i think a good talking point on that as well is just to kind of press how important it is to you know put out regular patching for all your products make sure everything's as secure as it can be because you know all that at the time the biggest vulnerabilities that we see in companies are because they haven't applied the latest patches to some of their products and you know just letting those slip out of date can introduce some of these bigger vulnerabilities yep definitely and you know along with vulnerability management is uh, asset management, right? Making sure you know all of the things in your environment, uh, all of your assets, making sure you know what software is on them as best as you possibly can so you know what you have to patch, right? So uh, at good asset inventory, knowing what you have, and then, you know, that'll help, you know, with uh, when it comes time to patch, knowing what you have to patch. Um, so yeah, great, great point, Tyler. Our next story or next topic uh, is uh, Petit Patam. So um, this is a, a bit of a, uh, what do I call it? A, a debauchery, <laughs> I think I called it in my in my brief. Um, this is a resurgence or recurrence or uh, a coming back to life for Petit Patam. Resurrection, if you will. A resurrection. <laughs> yeah, a resurrection. Long live Petit Patam, I think. Uh, so this is a, a new actively exploited vulnerability in Windows LSA spoofing. Um, this is something that Microsoft tried to patch and did patch last year, I think, to some extent, maybe, possibly, you know, depending on who you ask. <laughs> uh, so they, Microsoft did attempt to patch this last year. And then sometime between December, 2021 and March 22, supposedly, according to some researchers, uh, it was reintroduced. So uh, kind of a, a, like I said, a debauchery with Microsoft uh, with fixing it and then reintroducing it. This has happened before with other vulnerabilities. So not super surprising, but unfortunate um, that this was out in the wild again, kind of without people knowing. Um, I, I'm sure there were definitely some reach researchers, red teamers, pen testers that knew that this was still possible. Um, you know, there was probably still some, uh, some pen testers and red teamers using this on engagements. Uh, and, uh, you know, 
it is what it is. Microsoft, you're, you we're somewhat at the mercy of the vendor at that point, right? Uh, the main thing here, though, is there is a patch now, again, for this. Um, and kind of uh, outside of patching, right? One of the mitigations is, oh, well, there's a couple mitigations outside of patching. One is NTLM. So NTLM is a legacy authentication method. Uh, the best practice is to disable it, right? Microsoft will tell you to disable it. In reality, it maybe is not that easy for organizations to do that, even though it is a legacy authentication method. Uh, so that's one possible you know, mitigation is disable NTLM. The other is to use things like extended protection for authentication, right? EPA, as they call it. Uh, you can use signing features like SMB signing to help prevent SMB relaying and things like that. Um, so those are come, some of the uh, additional mitigations for this outside of patching. Although patching is probably the most important right now is to get that patch deployed uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, one thing to note though, is that, um, you know, this is, this is not something that's going to go away. NTLM relaying, uh, coerced authentication. This is just kind of inherent in windows. And I, I think it's something that's just going to be around for, for a, a fair long time. Um, yeah. So, you know, Microsoft, uh, moving on from, from Microsoft's fun patching debaucheries uh, and kind of hard pills to swallow for defenders. We have yet another kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't know how, how to describe it, but um, so, so this is Active Directory Certificate Services, and this is the fun world of ADCS, right? So this next topic has to do with a new method for domain privilege escalation that was uh, released this week. Uh, there was a patch for it. There is a patch for it. Uh, however, be careful. Some people are reporting authentication issues when they deploy this patch on domain controllers. So word of caution. Uh, but the re reason this one kind of caught our eye and is making its rounds is because it's a default configuration or was a default configuration. So much like a lot of the uh, abuses to Active Directory Certificate Services, that the Spectre Ops team uh, discovered as part of their research, a lot of these vulnerabilities are just default in Active Directory certi Certificate Services. So uh, this one is is the same. It has to do with uh, kind of spoofing a DNS host name. And uh, there's some good research. There's some good guidance on this. There is a patch. Um, but again, it's just another example of a default configuration in Windows, kind of biting defenders in the in the behind, you know, so to speak. And so, outside of patching, what are some uh, some other ways that you can kind of mitigate this? Uh, so one, you know, one mitigation that helps, although it doesn't prevent it completely, is changing the MSDS machine account quota. Uh, so that is a parameter or a value in Active Directory that limits how many machines can be added to a domain by any user. So it doesn't fully prevent this vulnerability from being exploited. Uh, however, it does uh, help mitigate it slightly. Um, the, the issue there is um, that uh, 
there could be a way to, uh, for example, if you've already compromised a machine and you have the machine account already, you don't need to create a new machine account. So there are situations where you don't need to create a new machine account to take advantage of this, but it does help. Uh, it is a best practice. It's something that we recommend all the time during pen test engagements or security assessments is we recommend setting that to zero and restricting who can add machines to the domain. If I'm not mistaken, that was the uh, same recommendation for the Kerberos relay, was it not? Yep, exactly. Yeah, so a lot of privilege escalation or a lot of these uh, these local privesque, these relaying attacks rely on machine accounts and things like that. And that was definitely one of the recommended mitigations for that. And just like with uh, the DNS hostname value being able to be modified by the user who owns the the account, that's a default. That was a default configuration. This too is a default configuration. Uh, for those who are a little bit knowledgeable about Active Directory, the default value for this machine account machine account quota attribute is actually 10. So by default in Active Directory, you stand up a new domain, that value is 10. So any user can, any authenticated user to the domain can just add 10 machines to the domain. So again, kind of a default configuration biting defenders, uh, unfortunately. Well, gotcha. Well, that'll wrap it up for us today. Um, if you enjoyed the episode or if you have gotten any value out of this, please share it. Give us a rating on your favorite podcast app, like, thumbs up, follow, subscribe to the YouTube and all that fun stuff. It really helps us out. Um, and be sure to check us out on our blog as well at offset.blog. And thank you everybody for watching and have a great rest of your day. Thanks everybody.